and welcome to The Kurt Locker, a podcast where we chronologically step through and discuss each film starring Kurt Russell. My name is Andrew Gormley, and I am one of your hosts. I am joined on this episode by my co-host. Six cases go to Sadie's place, and the rest goes to Whitney Nelson. And don't you forget it. Sadie, once again, we have this side character involved in, let's just say sex work, maybe? I don't know. It's a little bootlegging, What you know, maybe? Instantly one of the most memorable characters in the movie. I want to mm-hmm. be... I would be at Sadie's place probably every night if there was if that was nearby yes. in my town. I assumed you'd be there too. <laughs> of course. Yeah. That seemed like the place to be. Raids and all. I'd be back the next day. Mm-hmm. I'd, I'd be having all the lemonade and the iced tea. <laughs> How could Fred not know that there was there was booze in the lemon? Who goes out and orders a lemonade at nine o'clock at night and doesn't <laughs> want booze in it is my question. <laughs> Well, it was during Prohibition. Uh, I mean, there is that small hiccup, but sure. Okay. Okay. You got he me. He was such an upstanding gentleman, he wouldn't even consider that they would put booze in it. What? <laughs> <laughs> I needed a bigger reaction from Fred in most circumstances of this movie. We yeah, will get you. Yeah, throughout a lot of this movie. <laughs> I needed more. I needed more. Mm-hmm. Let's knock out this this contact info and housekeeping, all this good stuff, and then we'll get right into the meat and potatoes of this thing. Mm-hmm. As always, I want to mention up top, you can find all of our podcasts. Some people had, had you know, it's not just the Kurt Locker, believe it or not. We have like this back catalog of, of an what I consider to be like a pretty incredible show called Cool Breeze Over the Mountains, a Keanu mm-hmm. Reeves. I think it's the Keanu Reeves podcast. I think that's, how I, that's how I named it. But also it is the Keanu Reeves podcast. Whether or not it's named that, like, we're the best one. Sorry, everybody else. It's, it's you know, there there is competition, but... Uh, not is there? Really. <laughs> <laughs> so, so uh, all th- this entire show and all of Cool Breeze Over the Mountains and some really cool new stuff that Whitney is, uh, has been uh, brought into the loop on coming up. Uh, you can find all of that at yes. 12and24.com. That's 12and24.com. Go check that out. It's definitely worth a visit. I will not reveal the secrets, even if I am privy to them. So mm-hmm. don't ask me. I think that'll be announced sooner rather than later, the new thing. You just got to like, tie, you know, tie a couple bows, dot, you know, cross the T's, dot the I's, that sort of thing. So, and then mm-hmm. we could be like, here. More stuff. Move some money in the Swiss bank account. It's all, <laughs> we don't need to get into the details of the Swiss bank account, <laughs> suffice to say. It's all being handled. It's all being handled. <laughs> you can email us, uh, KurtLockerPod at gmail.com or hit us up on Twitter at KurtLockerPod. Uh, and you can also join us on Discord and chat in real time with us, uh, any other hosts that you hear, and many of uh, our other listeners and fans and stuff. That's 12and24.com slash Discord. You can also, in your podcast client, just tap on the artwork right now, and it'll take you to our Discord. So that's pretty great. Do that. Yeah. A lot of fun. As of right now, we're talking about Patrick Swayze. Yeah. Who is neither Kurt Russell or Keanu Reeves. <laughs> but, yeah, hey, you know. But, you know, like, definitely in the genre. Of course. Someone's aunt loves Patrick Swayze, but had never seen Point Break, which just seems like a crazy, just said, what? How is that possible? Yeah. <laughs> Ghost. If Ghost is your touch point, I understand. And that was hers. So there you or go. Or Dirty Dancing. Dirty Dancing. Yeah. The Roadhouse might be your jam. I don't know. But it seems like Point Break is the one. There's a lot of facets of Swayze. Right. Crazy about Swayze. <laughs> <laughs> I'm not saying that that's the new podcast, but I have just written not, that down. Not so, <laughs> finally, if you want to support us with just a moment of your time, please share the show with your friends, rate and review us on iTunes, bring more folks into the fray. You do that, you'll get a you'll get a shout out. So, if your review happened to include some product promotion, something that you were working on, I, contractually, I have to read it. I think that's how it works. Oh, so. Yeah. That's like some free advertising here on the show. Yeah, you want to backdoor your way into some publicity. Got to five star us. That's that's one possible route you could take. So <laughs> there you go. There you go. So Whitney, uh, if you don't mind, I'll I'll 
handle the synopsis here, if that's okay? Take us away. Okay. Today, we are talking about the film Charlie and the Angel. Uh, it's not the other thing it with some uh, some of the same words. It's not that. It is not that. Although Google would have you believe otherwise. Very difficult to find this film. For, for most movies, when you Google the title, the first like two or three pages are that movie, even if it's not a well-known movie, even like earlier stuff in the in this Kurt Russell podcast. But this one, you get about six results that are the correct movie, and then everyone else is assuming Charlie's Angels is what you actually meant. Yeah. It's just poor planning, I think, maybe. Mm -hmm. I assume Charlie's Angels was out, maybe? No. It was close. It was close. I think Charlie's Angels was late 70s, maybe? Yeah, I think it was around the same time. I'm not sure, though. Either way, that's what we're talking about. We're not talking about Charlie's Angels, Mm -hmm. unfortunately, maybe. We're talking about Charlie and the Angel. If we were talking about Charlie's Angels, I could pull out the fact that my dad has had, he's collected Charlie's Angel kisses. And he's gotten kisses from four of the six original what? angels. Yeah. Incredible. Mm-hmm. That's actually a really, uh, yeah. Who'd have thought about collecting that specifically, but good for him. Well done. Well done. Yeah, Dad. He was, he was a delivery boy for Schwab's pharmacy back in the like seventies, eighties. No, not eighties. Cause eighties is when I was born. Seventies. Um, as, mm-hmm. as like a teenager, he was a delivery boy for the pharmacy and he would deliver, he, he lived in LA. So it was all the Hollywood people. He was there on the day Alfred Hitchcock died delivering sedatives for Mrs. Hitchcock. He's got crazy stories. Dang. Let's talk about Charlie and the angel though. Okay. Uh, even if that's not nearly as interesting as his Alfred Hitchcock story. We got to save that for the sweet bonus Patreon content. Yeah. Patreon forthcoming. <clears throat> Charlie, oh, this is the plot synopsis, I guess I should say. IMDb says, Charlie is a workaholic family man, which doesn't seem, seems like an oxymoron, but okay. Workaholic family man that finds out from an angel that his number's up and he will be dying soon. So he tries to change his ways and be a better husband and father with the time he has left. The novel was actually written by Will Stanton, And the screenplay was adapted by Roswell Rogers. This was directed by Vincent McAvity. Many of our previous Kurt films were directed by, I'm assuming, his brother, Joseph L. Yes, a a different McAvity. (laughs) Yeah, from the same clan. You know, Hollywood Mm -hmm. is a meritocracy, of course. We all know that. It's not about who you yeah. know. It's about that's the work why, you do. That's why I went to film school and then quit working in film after uh-huh. just a couple of years because I was so tired of everyone getting a fair shake. It's it's about the work, right? Like, why is everyone here? Because they work hard and do good things. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. I just can't handle it. I have to leave. Yeah. I need something that's more based on who I know, right? Mm-hmm. Rather than what yes. I know. Yes. Schmoozing and nepotism. That's where I want to be. And that's not here. You're not. I mean, that's, that is kind of where I want to be. If we're being honest. I like. Nope. No. I've been there. Not good. Yeah. Uh, well, you were me. in. You were in it. A yes, little, little dabble do you, I'd, I'd say. Just, you know. <laughs> I've had more than my fair share of uh, Hollywood. And I don't care to revisit it. You got out. You got out while the getting was good. Yeah. Not for me, man. I mean, bless your heart if it is for you, but. Seems a little too catty. It's too catty, right? Too, too, it's too like, I don't know. Everyone's like trying to stab you in the back. (laughs) Yes. All of the stereotypes about Hollywood are totally true. Some more so than others. But it's like, I'm not an A-type personality I'm not a go-getter. The reason that I got into production design was because I wanted the stuff where it was like someone gave me a bench and said, this has to look a hundred years old by the end of the day. Mm. And then I just sat in a corner with a bench and a paint and a hammer and whatever and roughed up this bench and made it look a hundred years old. And then I went home. That was what I wanted to do, but they, they wouldn't just let me do that. Oh, <laughs> but, 
Yeah. Well, then that's not and, great. And so then I left. Because I had to be ambitious in a way that I am not. Hmm. All right. Hey, that's fair. Know thyself. Exactly. Some people are cut out for it. Some people are not. I am one of the nots. Mm-hmm. And I am happy to be so. So, Andrew, who is in this movie? <laughs> yeah, let's talk about some people who are equipped for Hollywood, I guess. Yeah. Co-starring alongside Kurt are Fred McMurray, Cloris Leachman, Kathleen Cody, Vincent Van Patten, Scott C. Colton, and Harry Morgan as the angel. Mm-hmm. Whitney, what do the critics and audiences have to say about this film? Well, on Rotten Tomatoes... We have no critical score. (sighs) Still, still we're here. From the audience, only 33% audience score. That's, that hurts. That hurts. Yeah, it's slow. That's low. That's like Ellie Parker territory. (laughs) (laughs) It's great that that is the baseline. That's like... That's the point. That's the data point you use for a bad film. I, I, I mean, but it's so much worse than I a bad film. But yes. <laughs> there's a few of them from the Keanu Reeves collection that I will pull up and use as my examples of not just a bad movie, but like I'm still angry that I watched it. Yeah. A year later, I'm still angry that I watched some of those movies. That's when you know it's it's beyond bad. Yeah, it's gone. It's gone too far. It's gone over the edge and then continued. It's like Wile E. Coyote. It went off the edge yes. and then continued to run continued. until it looked yep. down. <laughs> so we do have a review from Howard Thompson of the New York Times, who says the only real fun, judging by audience squeals in the theater, is the finale involving some wildly flapping old fiver cars, fliver cars. Oh yeah, Fliv- fliver, 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 fliver. I, don't I looked know that what up. Fliver is. Uh, that's like a slang term for the Model T. So okay. I learned something when I pulled uh, that review. Yeah. It's crazy. As as Fred McMurray tries to rescue his two young sons from gangster bootleggers, and then user Ryan S on Rotten Tomatoes gave it three out of five stars. And said, I liked the vast majority of the early knockings of Charlie and the Angel as it sets up a potentially extremely interesting plot that will be filled to the brim with heart and impact. Unfortunately, in reality, it barely scratches the surface of the latter things. I'm with you, Ryan. Mm -hmm. S. Mm -hmm. I do like this film by and large. I just feel it could have been greater. Yeah. Ryan S. Mm Mm-hmm. I mean, three out of five stars is still a lot, considering what he wrote in that review. He, I feel like that's that's a generous, generous number generous, of stars, sure. given his thoughts on it. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Whitney, we have to, I think we're compelled to, really. Uh, we are, yes. Um, I'm going <laughs> to, maybe, maybe my new favorite segment. Let me tell you, let me tell you who loved this segment. I don't know if you saw on the Discord. Everybody? Well, everyone everyone loved it, but one per- one person mm-hmm. was very vocal about it. I'm talking about Nikki. Nikki's still listening. <laughs> I'm queuing this up Nikki for you. Nikki is still listening, and we've kept it in for you. Here it is. A brief moment of, is he hot in this one? You just want to know, what movies is he pretty in? That's a heavy burden for me alone to bear. Maybe just his character in the last one bugged me enough that I didn't think he was as dreamy. He's very dreamy in this film. Is he hot in this one? So there you go, Whitney. Everyone is dying to know. Mm-hmm. Is he hot in this one? Yes, he is. He is in it for all of 45 seconds. Yeah, this is not a Kurt Russell movie as we have experienced over the past few. Also, this is not the dreamiest that he has been. Right. Just as far as like outfit and hair and whatever. But the fact that he stands up immediately to Fred McMurray and he's like, I don't give up easy. I love your daughter. 
this is a thing. He was immediately 30 times more attractive. There you go. Okay. So Plus it I've is. always kind of liked Argyle. So at the end when he's wearing the Argyle <laughs> right. sweater, I was like, yeah, I could get it. Yeah, yeah. I could get behind that. The sweater is so notice, uh, notable that he actually gets called Sweater. He says, hey, Sweater. <laughs> Love that. Love that. Mm-hmm. Okay, so he is hot in this one. Not the yes. hottest he's not he's not the hottest he's been, but certainly not the hottest he's been. It's about the attitude. It's about the it's about the but character. But in this particular one, he is like median level attractiveness, but the character is appealing. And I think that's really been the um what is his name in the the trilogy of science mistakes? <laughs> that would be Dexter Riley. Dexter Riley. <laughs> I don't like Dexter Riley, and I think that's why he is not hot in the last one. Got it. Um, but is hot in this one is his attitude to be like, Mister, I'm gonna I'm gonna marry your daughter. That's just the way of it. Right. I'll do what I gotta do. Yeah, you gotta admire that. You gotta admire that. I do. It was it was brought to my attention that we didn't start this segment until really he was like of age. Mm-hmm. Um, and that was, Oh well, yeah. You don't want to start it when he's like 15. That's, that's weird. true. However, for me, I, I, I this was a, a mini convo on the discord that really honestly wasn't even in my mind. It had nothing to do with any. <laughs> no, yeah. it was just the right time. It was like the right convergent point for me where I was like, this would be a fun thing. So that's all, mm-hmm. but happy. Accident. Cause I have, I have mentioned it in most movies, right? Even when he was like, and it 12 or 13, it was like, I was shocked at how much he looks like Kurt Russell that I like know today and him aging into his looks and everything has been part of the conversation since the beginning. So it was really just time. It was just time for the segment. <laughs> Is Kurt Russell hot in this movie? Finally, finally. And, yes. and we're giving you the answers. <laughs> so there it is. Now, Whitney. For the less important part, I guess. Did this movie work for you? I'm I'm pretty curious. No. Uh-huh. It did not. Tell me why. What what uh, what was going on in this movie? What uh So what basically didn't? this movie is It's a Wonderful Life. I wrote that down and I'm so happy you said that. But it yeah. doesn't have Christmas and it doesn't have heart. It doesn't have Christmas, it doesn't have heart, and also it doesn't have flashbacks to his past he doesn't like relive his life and see how things could have been different it's just a guy goes up to a guy and says you are about to die they're working on they're sorting out the paperwork i don't know why you haven't died yet but there's some confusion in the the office and it's only a matter of time until you're dead and then he's like well maybe i've been uh, an absent father and husband Mm-hmm. But he spends the whole movie, and now I think this is probably pretty realistic, but he spends the whole movie obsessing more about when he's going to die than he does fixing his life and being kind to the people in his life. He comes home that day, sits down to dinner, and is like, let's all go see a movie. And his wife has other plans, and his daughter has other plans, and his boys have other plans, and he just sits at home with a bunch of full dinner plates and the dog. And that's, like, all that you see of him trying to fix it. Everything else is just him sort of being like, when am I going to (laughs) die? How long do I have, Angel? And then the angel just dicks around. Very funny. I liked him quite a bit, but yeah. he just dicks around the whole movie on roller skates and whatever, causing shenanigans. Mm-hmm. And then instead of him fixing his life, his whole family inadvertently gets tied up with bootlegger mobsters. Yeah. Uh-huh. And it's not because of him. It's not really related to him in any way other than there's bootlegger mobsters in the town but he gets drawn into the shenanigans because his family gets drawn into the shenanigans in various ways and then he's got to save his kids from like a tommy gun shootout with the cops essentially right 
uh, his kids are booze runners to the local <laughs> speakeasy at ages like six and ten. Easy. That kid was driving. He couldn't even reach the clutch. So <laughs> it's tough. There is some charming stuff about it. I think it's very funny that this is like the fifth movie in a row that that guy has been the mobster in yes. every movie that we've been watching. I want to say that he works for Arno. The guy back in Chicago yes, has to be Arno. <laughs> and that's amazing. <laughs> it's, um, it's the Kurt cinematic universe. But apparently this guy had a really good steady gig with Disney for a while of being every mob henchman like Toadie. Yeah. In every single movie where there's any sort of mob boss organized crime of any sort. Mm-hmm. So, yeah, there's a little bit of him like trying to set his wife up with money and having the two boys get jobs so that they have responsibility when he goes and they can take care of his mom and whatever. But there is no real emotional heart to this movie. The whole idea is like, He, everyone upstairs, the whole, like, his number got pulled, but he hasn't died yet, is because someone up there is vouching for him that he can turn his life around. And they're waiting to see if he can turn his life around. But he doesn't really turn his life around. Yeah. You see at the end, like, he, you know, chooses his family over his own safety, and then he chooses his family again with, like, the whole he's been saved and can live his life and go to the world's fair. But he never emotionally, this character never develops. There is no character development for this guy. He does not change any of his actions. He does not act differently towards his family. We assume that he will in the future, but you don't see any of it in this movie. He's just obsessed with the angel and finding out when he's going to die and then he doesn't die they're like oh we decided to give you a second chance yeah which come on we knew was going to (laughs) happen it's disney come on it's fred mcmurray exactly you're not going to kill fred mcmurray i'm sorry you're not that's just the facts i i don't know i just um it wasn't bad but it also had no payoff correct None at all. It did not feel satisfying in any way. Like the the turn on him liking Kurt Russell as a boyfriend slash fiance was not like there was no reason for it. Nothing happened. This well, they eloped. Movie, they eloped. You emotion- see, they eloped. <laughs> and now I like him. That kid's got gumption. I mean, yeah, I guess so. But he doesn't even say that. He doesn't even say, like, well, he's got enough gumption to run away with my daughter, so I guess I like that about him. He doesn't even say that out loud. He's just like, pretend to be happy on the phone so you don't scare her. Yeah. And that's all. That's all that's said about it. <sighs> um, Fred McMurray is far too old in this movie to be wrestling gangsters. Yeah, I assume that's why he when the wrestling was happening, it was like under a table. Under a table and then under a tablecloth, it was like under a sheet. Yeah, so it's like, well, that's Mm -hmm. not Fred. It can't be. I mean, you can tell when it's Fred because he's very awkward. He is. He's a lanky, he's a lanky dude. There's about 45 seconds cumulatively of Kurt Russell. So I definitely feel like this was our dog star moment of (laughs) the Kurt Locker because I feel very misled into how much Kurt Russell was going to be in this. Based on the fact that Kurt Russell has been the the straight up headlining star in most of the recent movies that we've seen. So for him to take like such a backseat to the story and the plot was... We were cheated. We were cheated. I feel cheated. I agree about that. That was one of my biggest. (laughs) We see. I was like, well, as soon as he shows up to be the boyfriend, we're good. Right. Mm -hmm. And but Mm -hmm. then they go away. You see, like the side of his face in the car and the back of his head as he taunts somebody as he taunts Ed Bagley Jr. (laughs) Druffle. It's (laughs) Druffle. 
Another wild coincidence. I mean, not coincidence because it's the same stable of actors and whatever. Sure. But it Just is really funny ago. that these seem to be in the same worlds. They yeah. all seem to be connected to one another. Um, but anyway, you see the side of his head and then you don't see him again for another like 30 minutes of the movie. This is what we keep saying. The one thing that pulls us through some of these films, right? The one mm-hmm. thread the reason why we're here and you've taken him away from us. Yeah. So we now wanna, what are we left with? We want to look at Kurt Russell. We don't want to look at more Fred McMurray. It's true. It's true. Fred McMurray has been in approximately 5,000 movies. <laughs> look it up on his IMDb. It's... I can go find Fred McMurray if that's the mood that I'm in. But I am here for Kurt and I got about a sneeze worths of time of Kurt Russell. You got more time with Cloris Leachman, actually. Yes. <laughs> Who was great, the by the way. Cloris Leachman. Stole amazing. every scene she was in, really, yes, I think. She she was the only one who brought weight emotionally to anything in this movie. Right. I absolutely agree. It's a real shame. The only reason that this this movie worked at all is Cloris Leachman. Not Fred McMurray, not the two seconds that we have of Kurt Russell, not the weird gangster. I hated the way that he spoke. The, and it was, the guy from Chicago? Yeah. But it wasn't the Chicago thing. It wasn't even the, like, fake gangster accent yeah. that he had. It was that he didn't open his mouth enough when he talked. Yeah. And it was, it was like... It was part of the character that this actor put on. It is not how this actor talks in day-to-day life. And you could tell just the way that he was like pushing his lips together. Yeah. His mouth was so small. I wanted to hit him. <laughs> that, then mission accomplished. Because I think we all kind of want to hit that guy, right? Yeah. Maybe that's what they were going for. They're like, be as unlikable as humanly possible. And, and he was like, got su- it. Don't open succeeded. my mouth. <laughs> Right. Curl my upper lip so my teeth are always kind of showing. Weird lip thing. Yeah. Noted. Mm -hmm, mm -hmm, mm -hmm. And then he ran with it. Whitney, I want to ask, because of some coincidences here, uh, just other coincidences we have run Mm -hmm. into. What are the odds that this is the same exact set from Follow Me Boys? With the store and then the bank right across the street. Because to me, it looked identical. They didn't show Fair. the big square, behind, like which no, would be behind. No, they didn't behind. really show much in the way of establishing shots. Really, yeah. the only time that you saw any kind of pull out from a building window or something was when the kids were driving. Yeah, when they made that right. But I was like, that looks like Follow Me Boys, totally <laughs> which was also I mean, Fred McMurray. Working Mm -hmm. at that same exact store. (laughs) This dude cannot get a job not working at a store. (laughs) I think it's just how Disney movies looked at the time, though. Like, I think they probably, a lot like Warner Brothers or Universal, had a few things that were so consistently used that they're in every movie. Yeah. Regardless of time frame, they just change a little bit of the dressing, but they even leave some of it like the teapots and the counter and whatever. And then they just add TVs or take TVs away, depending on what era it is. What are we doing? Is it radios? Is it televisions? Which one? Okay, got it. The only thing that I really liked about this movie was the interesting viewpoint of a family in the Depression that's getting by. Mm-hmm. Because so often when anything is the depression, you see like the Hooverville, all of the unemployed migrant workers lost their homes living in Central Park kind of story. Or you see the like wealthy who are trying to cope with the depression story. I've very rarely seen a depiction of like a normal family that's well off enough that it affects them, but it also doesn't affect them. They can go see a movie. They can, you know, do whatever. They don't have enough money for like a trip to the World's Fair. But also if he just decided that he could tough that out, they could have afforded to go to the World's Fair before anything happened. Yeah. Um, That 
kind of stuff is just an interesting depiction of an era that you don't often see. Yeah, I could get behind that. Obviously, I like I like booze smuggling and speakeasies, obviously. It's part of your personal brand, of course, of course. It is. <laughs> I thought that it was funny that the booze smugglers were like, cops won't suspect a seven-year-old driving a car. <laughs> that was pretty funny. <laughs> I'm sure the rules were different in the 30s. And I'm sure younger kids, because I know like younger kids can drive tractors on farms and whatever. And so they will sometimes t- pull the pickup truck around or run to the grocery store. Mm-hmm. But you can't be looking for something that is not going to arouse the cop's suspicions and say, we'll put these two children who still take naps in the afternoon (laughs) into a car, not knowing how to drive one, and avoid all suspicion. No cops will ever look at these kids running people down in the streets and swerving wildly. And why are they driving at all? If I'm a cop and I see those two kids driving a car, even if they're driving perfectly, still have questions. I'd be like, those are children. Why are they driving a car? <laughs> uh-huh, uh-huh. It is not a subtle way to smuggle booze or gangsters at all. Yeah, I'm gonna. I'm inclined to agree about that. That was a that was a big sticking point for me because mm-hmm. we get to this point and we get to a point in this movie where uh, you're you've asked me to believe in angels and I can do mm-hmm. that. Okay. Mm-hmm. But now everything else has to be pretty much on the level. And this is not. <laughs> so I'm so which one? Am I believing in angels or am I believing that these kids are beyond reproach? I don't <laughs> I don't know. I can't. Can't do both. I just can't imagine that any person would look at children driving a car and not be like, should I call an authority? Whose children are these? Why are they driving a car? And then the entire time that they're driving, they like they're breaking in the middle of the street and they're swerving and they're knocking into people so that they break their lamps and taking crazy turns and (laughs) doing UEs in the middle of an intersection and whatever. And it's like (laughs) reckless driving would get the cops attention. Children driving would get the cops attention. Children driving recklessly are guaranteed to get someone to call the authorities and be like, there's children driving recklessly. Maybe you should stop them. And that does not happen. Yeah. And I found it very hard to suspend that disbelief. And it happens long enough that these kids make out. They, they make some pretty serious money. I think it they makes- each got five bucks at the time. Mm-hmm. So, you know, not a bad racket overall if you're a kid. I actually looked it up. Five dollars a piece at the time would be worth about over a hundred dollars. It was like a hundred and two dollars. Damn. Okay. With inflation. All so, right. This like seven and ten year old just come home with a hundred dollars each, essentially. And the dad does Fred McMurray does say like it's gotta it's got be wrong. This is a mistake. <laughs> Something is hinky. Yeah. But then he never does anything about it being hinky. He's too worried about death. His, well, his I impending guarantee you, doom. if I have a seven year old and a ten year old and I just told them to go get a job and they come home with a hundred dollars in one day, I $100 each right. in one day, I would be like, okay, nope, nope, whatever's happening, I'm stopping right now. Put the kibosh on this. No, yeah. no more. It's a lot. I One thing I did like. Yeah. The little like glitter when the angel appeared and disappeared. Oh, yeah. It was like all hand drawn and it was very charming. It was nice. Yeah. It was like little sparkles. And they were all like hand-drawn little stars and dots. It looked like someone doodling on the film and it was very cute. Yeah, that's like, it was very classic kind of Disney animation there. Mm -hmm. So that was, I guess that's where the synergy of having those two different teams, the animation team and the film team really paid off for them. This movie, uh, I the highest praise I can give it is to say that it was fast and competent. So (laughs) that's what I'll say. Sure. It had a few great premises, but like we discussed, 
it executed on them all pretty half-heartedly at, you know, at best, at best. And like I said, I don't, I'm not, you're probably more familiar with actors of this uh, Mm -hmm. Disney stable. I just feel like Fred Murray was not the guy for this role. I just feel like they needed someone with a little more um, comedy in Mm -hmm. the, in the reactions because he he was almost deadpan the whole time. Yeah. I, I get Fred McMurray. I get, why he works in some roles like follow me boys. Mm -hmm. That was a great, that was actually a great role for him. The absent-minded professor. Right. Exactly. He's great in that. But like. This just needed a little bit more than. You need him to be the grounding aspect of your movie. And you want everyone to be moved when he like looks at his life and realizes he's doing it all wrong and has very little time to fix it. There's no weight there, and there should be weight there. He should be grounding the whole movie, and he doesn't. Yeah. <sighs> Which is a bummer. Because I wanted, again, I so as we said, Cloris Leachman, uh, incredible in this role. And then, and then honestly, also, um, uh, Harry Morgan, as the angel, was very good mm-hmm. and very funny. But they... They only gave him goofy, goofy stuff to do. So of they course, they did only give him goofy stuff to do. He's like he's he's the outlier in that he's the guy doing the goofy stuff. So when he comes on, you crack a smile because you're like, "What kind of shenanigans is this angel going to get up to today?" And that's really, mm-hmm. and I'm like, "That's great," but there is no substance behind it, really. So that was unfortunate. That was unfortunate. Um, for those of you who are bad with names. Harry Morgan is Colonel Potter and MASH. Yeah. He was in, he was also in tennis shoes, computer war tennis shoes, I think. Right. He was. Yeah. Yes. So again, that Disney. That he was in a previous movie. Yeah. But yeah. Just, I know with me, if a name isn't notable for some reason, I, I've never once known that his name was Harry Morgan and I've <laughs> talked about him before. Right. And yeah. So I just wanted for everyone else. Colonel Potter on MASH. He's got a he's got like an incredibly recognizable voice more than anything. Mm-hmm. The dude, like as soon as you hear him, you're like, I know that mm-hmm. guy. That's one of yep. those situations. So even if you saw him, you might be like, eh. but as soon as he you pair the the face with the voice, you're like, got it. I know that guy. It's yep. pretty cool. I will say that Disney continues to improve with their special effects. Mm-hmm. Uh, unlike now you see him, now you don't. There was some disappearing that happened in this movie where the angel would kind of fade in and out of existence. And mm-hmm. sometimes within the same scene. And I was like, wow, mm-hmm. they figured it out. Like, it's yeah, pretty good. Uh, it doesn't look different or bad. Away. Yeah. Yeah. So in that, re- in that regard, I was like, wow, that's great. Still, the practical stuff tended to work better. It was it wasn't so bad when they went to the special effects, like when he's floating in front of the car dressed in like a white robe. I was Mm -hmm. like, oh, clearly he's on some wires in front of a green screen. I was like, but it looked Mm -hmm. fun. I was like, that's that's fine. Yeah, it worked. It worked. Yeah. So I like that. And then everything else was largely. Technically was large. Yeah, I will say. I did not care for much of, I, I couldn't tell you a single note from the score. I, I Or even if music was playing at all during this movie, which is not good. Oh yeah. I can't think of a single piece of music. Yeah. And and that's, I generally tune into that because sometimes music is the connection point for me. Yeah, if I'm no, not, it's very important for me. And so if it's, if it's really like, rocking or working I'll notice it if it's really like bad and jarring I'll notice it I don't remember any music in this one yeah which (laughs) for better for worse (laughs) there's that there's that and uh that's really it they had one I thought they did a pretty decent job with the uh you know it's like I said it's competent the car chase at the end I liked some of that stuff Mm -hmm. but you know it, it was shot well enough and some of the Things they get the into. Ice. The ice was a great, I thought that was a great touch. I have not seen mm-hmm. that in a movie before, and I don't mm-hmm. know if I'll <laughs> see it again. So mm-hmm. props for originality there. 
But there's like an ice truck with giant blocks of ice because this is still, you know, it's the 30s. So there's still like ice ice boxes rather than refrigerators Mm -hmm. and whatnot. Um, But it was a really fun element to add in to a car chase because it like slid all over the place and it really exploded well when car drove into it. Yeah. And it also was a great visual for the angel gets out of the car and like walks around to the driver's side and no one can see the angel. So the ice blocks are like tipping over. Just all of the things that they wanted to do worked super well with just throwing a bunch of ice in the road. And I loved it. Yeah, I, I, I'm right there with you. That was very, very well done. Uh, again, and cheap. someone's job to think of that and be on budget and they nailed it. So well mm-hmm. done. Well done. And then I think, like we said, uh, not not nearly enough Kurt in this movie for me either. So mm-hmm. that was kind of a bummer. He was good uh, when he was in it, uh, but it wasn't very much. So it was very, very little. Yeah, I didn't like it. Whitney. So, in a, you know, he got the black eye. Right. Mm-hmm. Are we thinking that Ed Begley Jr. could take Kurt Russell in a fight? Is that what we're led to believe here? Absolutely not. <laughs> not a chance. What are the odds? I don't know. What no, are we? <laughs> I think like maybe Ed Begley Jr. Like it's got the reach. Tried maybe. to kick him, and his shoe flew off and gave him a black eye. Or something. <laughs> In no world could Ed Begley Jr. take Kurt Russell. It's true. We actually never see Ed Begley Jr. again after that fight. So it's one of those mm-hmm. situations where you should see the other guy, right? Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. That checks yeah. out. I'm sure he was like fully unconscious. <laughs> By, by the end of their, uh, yeah, mm-hmm. it's like, oh man, don't try that shit again. Maybe it's a sucker punch. We don't know. We don't know. There are many other stories where this exact thing happens, right? This like mm-hmm. an angel or some or or death or someone mm-hmm. shows up to let you know, like, hey, clock's Fucking ticking, <laughs> right? I would recommend watching any of them <laughs> before this one. Mm-hmm. Christmas Carol. Go watch a Christmas Carol. You know what I'm saying? I don't know what to tell you. Like, I, this was, this added nothing, which I thought it could yeah. have, but it it was not additive to this genre whatsoever. No, it didn't. It really didn't, like, there was nothing new in it. There was no twist on it. There was no, it was just like something you've seen before, only more boring. <laughs> when you say certain things, your sister as well, when you or Lindsay say certain things, I picture it on the box and I love <laughs> It's something you've seen before, <laughs> only more boring. <laughs> and I'm like, that's probably mm-hmm. how you sell it. Watch, if you're not going to watch Christmas Carol and you're not going to watch It's a Wonderful Life, watch Defending Your Life. Is that what it was called? The Albert Brooks movie? That sounds correct. Yeah. I can, I can so help good. verify that real quick. That one's very funny. Yeah, it is. 91. It's kind of... it. Uh, the Good Place owes quite a bit to Defending Your Life, I think. And a lot of people in our generation haven't seen it. But they're, they're dead and they are shown in basically a trial. They're shown video about their life, both good and bad, and asked to comment on it. And that determines where they go. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. But they're all kind of in a sort of Beetlejuice-esque waiting room of the dead for that like week period that you have to look review your whole life and defend it. It's um, it's funny and good. I like it. That's a good one. That is a mm-hmm. good one. Do we have anything else we want to say about Charlie and the Angel? No, I'm actually shocked we've talked about it for as long as we have. <laughs> I thought it was going to be a quick one. That's usually the case, though. When when it's good, you know, you can gush over it. But mm-hmm. when it's bad, there's like a laundry list of complaints. And mm-hmm. you feel like you got to just get it out of your system. So that's where mm-hmm. we are with this one. <sighs> Whitney, you know, he, he, he had the sale uh, in his shop. So he's like the buy one, get something else for a cent. That was his that was his idea to like drive up sales. And that just feels like a bad 
like it, it doesn't seem like fiscally feasible, right? I mean, buy one, get one is a thing. Yeah. But like with that teapot, I don't know. It seems like a, it, I don't know. It seems like a, a, it didn't work across the store and he got bamboozled on that one also. So, well, yeah, my thought, my thought about it was if Fred, if, if his character had a place where he could go to learn how to be a better businessman, mm-hmm. he should take some kind of a class or something. Yeah, like if he could, if there was a resource for him on mm-hmm. demand where he could go where and he just could learn at his time, pace and on his time when he's not in the shop, when he's not with his family. And even mark, maybe marketing also. So like entrepreneurship, mm-hmm. marketing, that sort of thing. Mm-hmm. If only that existed. If only that existed. What kind of a place would that be like? I don't know. Maybe a place where, you, where, where like-minded people could share their abilities? No, it's not like mm-hmm. an ability. It's like, like a, like a skill. Like, like the skills a that skill. you've learned. Like, where could you share your skills? Skillshare. Oh my god, oh. we're crushing it. We're crushing oh. it. I'm not even gonna say the rest because we did. We crushed it so hard. Walked right into <laughs> it. Oh my god. Skillshare. Everyone is the. Mm-hmm. <laughs> that's our long-winded intro. Yeah. <laughs> I thought I'd be able to tie that up a little bit. That's okay. No, we did it. We're good. I like it. Hey, we did it. Free 14 day trial. Oh my God. Free 14 days to learn whatever you want. Whitney, I started a class. You could learn 14 different things in those 14 days if you were really ambitious about it. There are some classes that are very, very in-depth. There is a Photoshop Essentials class that's like nine and a half hours long because Photoshop does everything, right? But I'll tell you yes. one that I, I I actually just started one last week because I'm trying to like up some design. I got to like level up design a little bit. And mm-hmm. it's a whole class. It's an hour, eh, like an hour-ish, right? And it's just about gradients, which sounds like a, it sounds like who could talk at length about gradients, right? The color run mm-hmm. from like purple to blue. Like you look at any yeah. John Wick movie, right? Gradients yeah, everywhere. Yeah, yeah. And it's the psychology behind them, how to form them, the shapes, the, you know, all this stuff. And I'm like, this is fascinating. That sounds super interesting. And I don't even do like graphic design stuff. That sounds like something I would get into. It's something you could probably apply to anything. Like, even if you only make graph, if you like make memes, that actually Mm -hmm. would probably (laughs) come in handy. There are certain Mm -hmm. colors that like are very pleasing for us to see. That's like why... Facebook is the color that it is and, uh, you know, whatever is the color that it is because of this. Uh, mm-hmm. So that's just an example of a thing out of the blue that I decided to learn and I feel enriched for it. So as Whitney said, uh, sign up, sign up. We have a free 14 day trial. Go to 12 and 24. That's one, two, a and D two, four.com slash Skillshare. Redeem this, learn a thing every day for the next 14 days. Write about it, write to us. Let us know what you learned because I would love to- Start your own podcast about it. Oh my God. Could you imagine? It's a good podcast. Yeah. Just call it- a really it good like, idea. Call it some, you know, I got to come up with a punny name, so I, I don't know. We'll but. get back to you on that one. If you want to keep going after the 14 days, it's just $15 a month. It's 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 and it's a good deal. It's half off of that if you're already a student with a .edu email address. It's a great savings. It's a great savings. So like you really get into this podcast and 14 days is not enough for you, keep going. It's a great deal. But also you could just, you know, do the 14 days. Yeah, whatever. It might not be for you. Everyone learns different. So if if this isn't your bag, that's great. But at least you tried. You could do that. So do it. You could do better than Fred McMurray and his stupid depression store. <laughs> oh boy! Boom! Crushed it. Nailed we it. Did it. Nailed it. Left a little bit of silence there that I'm going to leave in. Just as I that was okay. me taking a drink, soaking in 
the great job we just did. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Soak it in. Let it get in all your pores. <laughs> Whitney. Shall we give the quick Wikipedia rundown of what happens in this movie? Yeah, this is yours. And look yeah. at this. Look at this Wikipedia rundown. It's too much. Yeah. I mean, it you is. do whatever it's you need to do. I'm here. I'm here for as long as you're talking. So you just you okay. go for it. I'm going to go for it right now. I'm ready. I'm going. Charlie Appleby is a hardware store owner whose frugality and commitment to his job has enabled his family to avoid poverty during the Great Depression and Prohibition. However, his relationship with his children and his wife, Nettie, is strained. They especially want to go see the Chicago World's Fair. His growing sons, Willie and Rupert, manage to find work in a junkyard owned by a man named Felix with ties to bootleggers. And his teenage daughter, Leonora, decides to elope with a young man named Ray, who seems untrustworthy. That summed up a lot of the movie in, there that's are really, six that's, paragraphs That one left. paragraph <laughs> is what the movie is about. It's true. Oh my God. Charlie is visited by a shabby-looking angel. Shabby-looking is editorializing in a way that is not allowed on Wikipedia, and also, I think, not true. Yeah. Harry Morgan did not look shabby. He he had, like, two-tone two dress shoes on. Like, like, it's, yeah, it's no, crazy. It's, yeah. Um, so the angel appears visible only to Fred McMurray. Mm-hmm. The angel tells Charlie that his time will soon be up. Technically, it was already supposed to be up, but there's been some confusion. And the shopkeeper decides to become religious. That's taking it a little far. He says grace what? one time at dinner, but uh, decides to become religious, patch relations with his family, sell his business, and do the best he can to be a good father and husband in the short time he has before he dies. Charlie's angel, angel appears intermittently throughout the film, occasionally helping Charlie and occasionally, occasionally ca causing mischief. Occasionally mm -hmm. causing mischief. That's hard yeah. to say for me. I don't know why. It's a tough one. The angel reveals his name as Roy Zerny, mm -hmm. which is neither here nor there and has no bearing on anything. Charlie is initially unsuccessful at affecting change. His gestures are incomprehensible to his wife and children, who see his sudden change of behavior as bizarre, particularly his decision to sell the store. Charlie appears ostensibly insane whenever he speaks to or looks for the lingering angel who is visible to only him. When Charlie tries to take money from his account in the bank, he learns from the banker that the bank will be closing for a while and may be in danger of foreclosure, a la... Exactly. It's a wonderful life. Yes. <laughs> they have run out of money. He must loan money to his son-in-law, Ray, and to his friend, Pete. Business tightens, and Charlie is running out of time and money. However, Charlie becomes an unlikely hero. His boys begin using a rickety Model T, unknowingly delivering illegal booze by Felix's request, and they are kidnapped and forced to drive away when the Chicago gangsters responsible for the operation are trying to flee the city. Charlie personally chases them in the abandoned gangster's car, dodging gunfire, and the police catch him presuming he is the criminal because the car that he crashes in has a Tommy gun and a bunch of booze in the backseat. Yeah. They take him to prison, and while in prison, Roy tells Charlie that today will probably be his last day on Earth. However, Charlie's thoughts are only of his boys, who are in the possession of gangsters. When he returns home in the evening, Leonora and Ray return for an untimely visit just as the gangsters occupy his house and intend to take Charlie's wife as another hostage. Charlie defies them and defends his wife and kids with his own life. The fight ends when Charlie and Ray, with the assistance of a timely appearance by Pete, succeed in defeating the gangsters and delivering them to the police. In the course of the fight, Charlie was shot at near Point Blake range, but miraculously receives no wound. For capturing the criminals, Charlie receives a $5,000 reward posted by Chicago's police department. Ernie appears as a representative of the town to honor Charlie as a town hero and present him with a hotel reservation and tickets to the Chicago World's Fair. He also informs him that the bank examiner has approved the bank's credibility and that it will be reopening tomorrow. 
Pete has also returned to pay his debt of $100 that he owed to Clarice Leachman. <laughs> what are the odds? Oh, this good news all at once. Oh, my God. Everyone comes with fistfuls of cash and presents. Charlie, satisfied with the turn of events in his final day, realizes that it's his final day after all the excitement calms down and says goodbye to his family and goes to the store expecting that he will die. But Roy appears and reveals that the 11th hour decision in heaven was to let Charlie live. Roy physically intervened and pulled the bullet out of the air, thus nullifying the prophecy and clarifying to Charlie that he will live on with an, hopefully, an enriched outlook. Uh, That's the movie. All right. Andrew, do you recommend this film? To Charlie, the richest man I know. (laughs) (laughs) Because he has (laughs) $5,000. I don't recommend this movie. Go ahead and skip Mm -hmm. this one. Go ahead and skip it. Watch Follow Me, Boys, which is, by comparison, somehow just as batshit crazy, but also makes way more sense. Makes way more somehow. sense. Somehow it does and both. plays better emotionally, but also is like twice as long. It's true. I, this is me recommending you a two and a half hour mm-hmm. movie over a 90 mm-hmm. minute movie. So you got to factor that in. You That's coming from me. Mm-hmm. But yes, I do not recommend this film. Whitney, what you got? I do not recommend this film. God, we are on, like I said, we'll probably have a reckoning episode. I don't know how much is actually going to change, but I just like to give the mm-hmm. stats at that on that episode of like, here's what, here's what, here's how the recommendations yeah. broke down. It's going to be abysmal. It is, it's, it's not, not going to be great. It's not good. We are so tantalizingly close. To some really fun, weird, you know, good, in quotation marks, movies. Some of them are very good. Some of them are fun good. But there's a lot of interesting stuff coming up, and we are so, 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 so close. You had mentioned something interesting that a little bit earlier, and it might have gone over some folks' head when you had mentioned Dogstar, Mm -hmm. right? Uh we had watched a few Keanu Reeves films where Keanu was credited in his band Dog Star, right? So it might have only been. So he never appeared with like speaking lines in yeah. some of the movies, even though he was credited as like a character or in the movie as, you know, even though he was just on the stage playing bass in a club and you saw him for a couple of seconds. <laughs> now, <laughs> in fairness, in fairness to Kurt, I believe that this movie is the last time that this will happen. Just looking at the next. Well, that's that's I think that's why it was so, so surprising to me is that I thought with yeah. all of his recent starring roles in all of these Disney films, I thought we were past the like co-starring point. I thought that he was going to be our headliner from here on out, and he was not in this one. So I felt a little bit tricked, but I think this is probably the last time that that's going to happen. Yeah. Unlike Keanu, where the dog starring happened in the middle of his goddamn career. It just kept coming. (laughs) Every time that I was like, okay, good. (laughs) Now he's like a massive star. We are never going to see him for 20 seconds and then never again and then have to sit through garbage just absolute dog shit (laughs) and then sure enough we did have to sit through dog shit there it is cool 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 it's true it's true so whitney this brings us to something this brings us something very interesting Mm -hmm. we have to rank this movie yes we do the I will I I believe right for the most part that the last five four five movies that we watched we all whether we recommended them directly we didn't like actively dislike them I think this they is were a fine. little there was several fine movies in a row yeah this one might err a little on the other side so 
I'm curious where you're going to put this one. I have an I, I have an idea where I think I, I I would put this one, and I wonder if our lists will continue. I think this might be the first time that our lists diverge, and I'm not a hundred percent on that, but I think there's something that sticks with me more than it sticks with you. I'm putting this movie, ready? Charlie on, ready? and the Angel. I just want to count down because I, I I want this to be spontaneous, but also mm-hmm. I, I don't want it to steal. So I'm going to count three, two, one, and then we go ahead. So ready? All right. Mm-hmm. Three, two, one. Number seven. five. Whoa. Finally, we have we have a divergence. Yeah. OK, I am bumping down the barefoot executive. Uh-huh. And it's really, like I said, the sticking point for me is I just don't like movies with monkeys in them. Great. Yeah. Especially in this time frame because of like, it really just kind of gets my goat how we personify monkeys in a way that I think is a detriment to monkeys. Mm-hmm. So the okay. chimp in the Barefoot Executive is a, is kind of like, I think, my hard sticking point, even though I think that Guns in the Heather was more or less watchable. Mm-hmm. Mosby's Marauders. There are some that I could totally see being reasonable to watch again before watching this movie again. But I think between Follow Me Boys and the Barefoot Executive is where I've got to put it. Great. All right. So we 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 have finally <laughs> we've uh, not by much, <laughs> not by much, mind you. But yeah. we now have separate lists. I put mine at seven. Yeah. Uh, because. The Barefoot Executive and Mosby's Marauders, uh, I, you know, I would not, the Barefoot Executive, first of all, had a killer soundtrack. So we can't, we can't downplay that. But Mm -hmm. uh, mostly because those movies just had more Kurt. Mm -hmm. That is pretty just like a good ratio for all the movies we've seen so far. The more Kurt is in them, the more watchable they are. Yeah. hundred percent. So that's great. All right, so we're we're at ten films now, mm-hmm. and we finally had our first diversion. Oh, finally! So there you actually have it. We uh, <laughs> we did it. We did it. That feels good. It's the end of an Bizarre. era, though. It's the end of an era. <laughs> it is <laughs> the era of weirdly accurate <laughs> ranking. <laughs> Let's talk next week. About mm-hmm. uh, a movie I will be walking us through that none of us have seen called mm-hmm. Super Dad. Uh, I don't know anything about this movie. Nor do I. I don't, I, I don't assume that Kurt Russell is the dad in the titular Super Dad. I can't imagine that he is. He's still too young. Yeah. So it's, I don't know. Sounds like it might be some. Might, we might be in for some hijinks, some shenanigans. Maybe. I don't know. I don't even know if this is a Disney flick, but I would. I think it is. I think yeah. it is a Disney joint. I would almost certainly, yeah, put that in there. Uh, but that's a 70. Let me see. I think that's a, what are we in the 73? Yeah, this was 73. Super Data 73. And then our final episode of season one, 1975, The Strongest Man in the World. Then, mm-hmm. then we start lighting some fires. You know what I'm saying? <laughs> oh, <laughs> we skip right to the 80s, which is wonderful. That's it. I think we did it. We have anything else? I think that's it. Super that's Dad. Everything. Next, next Super episode. Dad next. Don't know what it's going to be about, but I do think it is a Disney movie. All right. Again, I go in cautiously optimistic. I'm, you know, mm-hmm. could be good. Could be good. Mm-hmm. Could be my new number one. I don't know. Could be. I hope. We'll see. Tune in and find out. <laughs> Whitney, as always, it's been a pleasure chatting movies <laughs> with you. A delight. A, a highlight of the week, as it were. <laughs> uh, where could people find and keep up with you after they're finished? And they're like, I need more Whitney. Where do they go? I guess to Twitter uh-huh. at Whitney underscore Nelson, N-E-L-S-E-N. Although I don't, I tweet very infrequently. You're more likely to see activity for me on Instagram, but it's all just food and pets. My dog, my cat, 
and food I make. There you go. The other day, someone insinuated that I subscribe to like a box service for meals because of all of these foods that I make. And I was <gasps> highly offended. How dare you? These are all recipes of my own creation. They're not a sponsor. Whitney wouldn't no. do that. <laughs> but I definitely if they would want make to. it if they were to sponsor. So I would yeah. definitely hype up and make food and take pictures of food that was sponsored. There you go. There you go. But yeah, Whitney Nelson with no underscore N-E-L-S-E-N on Instagram. Andrew. Yeah, you could find me on Twitter and Instagram at Dark Driving. Uh, it's mostly, I haven't been taking too many photos on Instagram. I do stories from time to time. And on Twitter, it's a lot of uh, techno babble and, 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 and yelling at clouds. But some people are into that uh, and they appreciate it. So that's great. Mm -hmm. And as always, uh, please join us on the Discord, which is where I am for a majority of the day. Because my my job happens at a desk, so I just have Discord open. I can really quickly get back to people and send memes and all that good stuff. So, oh man, it's it's great. I remember jobs. <laughs> I mean, I say I put job in. I just I you know I work for myself, so it's <laughs> it's a little yeah, it's a little I, weird, but you know I just haven't worked in a very long time. That's why I'm not as active on the Discord. As soon as I get a job, I'm going to be far more active because I'll be sitting at a desk regularly. There you go. Now I just mostly hang out on the couch with my dog. <laughs> Which who can fault you for that? I mean, realistically. No one. Buddy, come on. His full name is Butterick T. Iberico. It's a good one. It's strong. It's kingly. We we backed our way into it. We Buddy is what he started responding to. And then we've backed our way into Butterick T. Iberico. Butterick is a kids in the hall joke. Uh-huh. T stands for the. <laughs> and Iberico, because his back legs look like Iberico hams. <laughs> <laughs> right. But it sounds great, which is the, which is important, you know? It was that thing where when people I don't know if you had read that, but some authors chose to have two middle initials, even if they didn't have two middle names, just because when people read that, it it, it gives them a sense of like confidence about the work, like George R.R. R. Martin, mm, like, mm. yeah, J.R.R. R. Tolkien, that same thing. Mm. It's like a weird, it's like a weird thing, but it, it, it does work. So there you go. There you go. Butterick T. Iberico. <laughs> T T put two T's T T don't do that. I'm not going to <laughs> don't listen to me. I give bad advice. Okay. We're done. Where's the button? I lost it. Where's the button? Here's the button. Fuck. I love doing this show. <laughs> Thank you all for joining us. And in the immortal words of Jack Burton, sit tight, hold the fort and keep the home fires burning. <laughs>